If you have primary school-aged kids or grandkids, make sure Vision Kids is part of their daily routine. Vision Kids! Vision Kids is a 24-7 online radio stream featuring the ever-popular Adventures in Odyssey. Hi, this is Chris. Welcome to Adventures in Odyssey. Plus other world-class radio dramas, kids' music and friendly voices. G'day, Vision Kids. Vision Kids is streaming now in the Vision app and online at visionkids.org.au. You can also tell your smart speakers to play Vision Kids Radio. If you don't already have the Vision app on your phone or tablet, you can download it for free when you search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Vision Kids. Another way we're helping the whole family look to God daily. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher, with a straight talking message from the Word. He says this If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. My name is Bill, and in this episode, it's more from Fully Devoted, a series about being a fully devoted Christ follower. Today, a passage from Luke chapter 14, all about a party Jesus was invited to and the countercultural advice he gave to the Pharisee host. Pastor Jeff promises this message will make us look at our lives and the world differently. I'm keen to hear it. So here's Pastor Jeff. Take out your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 14. You're really going to need your Bible. Yes, it'll be on the screen, but also just to work your way through the text. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was in New York City. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about this. I was invited to a banquet for the opening of Titanic 2. Now, this is not the movie Titanic. This is actually an eccentric billionaire named Clive Palmer from Australia who is rebuilding the Titanic ship. Now, if you've ever met eccentric billionaires, and they're all eccentric, but if you've ever met them, you'll know they actually don't do a lot. They just make money. And they usually have a right-hand person that runs the affairs of their life. This guy, Jeff Smith, has a real heart to overcome poverty and hunger and thirst in developing nations. He is putting together what is called the leadership, World Leadership Alliance Council. And on this leadership board, he is recruiting people to serve, to come together, to try to find out all these billionaires who want to do something grand with their money can make a difference overseas and even here at home in poverty and where they're just less fortunate people in all these communities. Now, call it a God thing or whatever, but somebody got the notion that there probably should be a pastor on this committee. Now, you're talking about a committee with Bill Clinton, with people like Jimmy Carter, with people like Richard Stern. So they're probably saying, okay, we probably need a pastor. Now, I don't know how it happened, but I, my name came up. I happened to be the pastor. And so, so on, uh, on Wednesday morning, I sat across the table and had breakfast with the Kennedys in New York. So I'm sitting across the table from Stephen Kennedy, who's the nephew of JFK. 
And I get the, I, I, you know, the security you have to go through to even get into this building. And I'm thinking, what on earth am I doing here? And I kept thinking of Esther for such a time as this. Thinking, I had nothing to do with this, but here I am. And so Clive calls me yesterday and says, man, you made a great impression on Jeff Smith. Our first meeting's in May at Harvard. We want you there. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what is happening? Now, I told you that because I want you to know why I was there. Now, there are 700 people at this banquet, 699 of which are incredibly wealthy. <laughs> it was... It was who's who of American wealth. I mean, the people that were there, I don't want to start naming names, but it was amazing. Very private function by invitation only. CNN, ABC, CBS, all there. We go in through this corridor and they're playing bagpipe music. And they're the real bagpipes. And we go, we have our picture made by the Statue of Liberty. Now, not the real one, but a makeshift Statue of Liberty. We go in, there's an 11 course meal. At this point, I'm extremely nervous because there were so many knives, forks, and spoons, and I had forgotten what you do with each one of them. <laughs> Plus, we had to rent tuxedos. I mean, I did look sharp in my tuxedo, I'm just saying. <laughs> Woo! I don't own one, so I had to go rent one. We had to get a cheap hotel near Times Square, which is almost impossible. But we found one. Leave it to my assistant. She found one. And so we go rent the tuxedos. We go to the dinner. I meet the Canadian, or actually, first I meet the uh, past president of Columbia. He and I hit it off really well. But we hit it off really well. And he said, look, I've heard about your church. What are you going to do to help us with poverty and the lack of education in the difficult areas of Columbia? So, wow, okay. And then I met the Canadian past prime minister. She loved to dance. That's all I'm going to say about her. <laughs> so I'm in this meeting and like I said, 11 course meal, all this food happening. I'm, I'm so far out of place, it's scary. I'm just trying my best to fit in because I'm a hick from Tennessee. You know, I'm never gonna be anything more than a hick from Tennessee. And so I'm in this meeting. Now I want you to imagine something. Let's say that I were to go up to Clive Palmer, who doesn't know me. I'm there because of his right-hand man, Jeff Smith, and his heart for uh, compassion for the world. Let's say I go up to Clive Palmer and I say to Clive Palmer, this eccentric billionaire, I say, dude, you're doing this all wrong. <laughs> now, what do you think he would say? First of all, he'd probably say, now, who are you again? Oh, I'm Pastor Jeff from Southern California. He'd probably throw me under the Titanic. <laughs> but imagine I go and I say, you know, you're doing this all wrong. The food's not right. And by the way, you, to, you need to have Dairy Queen ice cream on the dessert bar. There's none of that. And instead of having the Little River Band, you need Coldplay. Coldplay should be playing in this concert. And I just go on. And finally, I say, by the way, you've made the biggest mistake of all. You've invited the wrong people. What do you think he'd say? I mean, his security guards would escort me out, right? This is exactly what Jesus did in Luke 14. He's invited to a wealthy man's party. They're all sitting around. And the first thing Jesus says, first thing out of his mouth is, dude, you're doing this all wrong. Now, can you imagine? Now, to understand what's happening here, man, if you, this is going to be fun if you just stay with me. Understand what's happening here is you've got to understand the patronage system in the first century. We have it in every culture. And that is you try to make friends with people who are from an upper social class than you are so that they can pull you up. So in Jesus' day, these wealthy men and women would have parties and they would invite other wealthy people because the whole idea is if I invite you to my party, then you'll invite me to yours and you'll introduce me to people that I would not have met otherwise. And you'll open doors for me that I could not open on my own. So the wealthy just keep getting more and more wealthy because they connect with each other. They network and money leads to more money. That's the way life is. Same way in our culture. And by the way, it's not just the wealthy. Every social class in America tries to meet somebody in the social class above them so they can keep climbing the ladder. Jesus' day was no different. 
And so they're having this big party. Now, I don't know exactly why this wealthy man invited Jesus. We're not told in Luke 14, one, we're not told why, but I can get some guesses. It's not probably because this guy thought Jesus was the Messiah or he didn't think anything about the kingdom of God and salvation and all that. He's probably thinking, dude, here's a guy that can turn water into wine. That's gotta be lucrative. I mean, this, this is a guy I want on my team. This is a guy that can take a couple of fish and some bread and feed 5,000 people on more than one occasion. We need this guy. It's a good economy. <laughs> Jesus, I don't think he cares why he's there. And the first words out of his mouth, when he's the guest of a wealthy host, verse 12 says, he says, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends. Look at that. Do not invite your friends. Your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your, or your rich neighbors, if, if, if you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. Now look up. You know what, Jesus, you know, Jesus says this out of nowhere and they're thinking, dude, of course we think we'll be repaid. That's why we invited them. It's all about opening and expanding our opportunities. Of course we expect to be paid back. We scratch their back, they'll scratch ours. That's the way, it's called a patronage system. Jesus, of course, that's why we do it. He says, don't do it. And Jesus looks at them and he says, Jesus was great at the counterculture, counterperspective. He said, guys, I'm gonna give you a new way of living. And they're all probably leaning forward. What, what's that? And he says, here's the new way of doing life. Verse 13, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Now, have you ever been at one of those parties and somebody said something, but you didn't get it at first and then the laughter just kind of grew gradually? I can see Jesus saying this and everybody around the table going, <laughs> oh yeah, oh, that's funny. That is funny. Why would we invite the poor, the crippled, and lame? They can't help us. That's like throwing good cash out the door. We'd never do that. Jesus, I'm telling you, listen, there's a new way of doing life. Don't invite your friends. Now, this is a hard one because the way it's written in the original language, it sounds like Jesus is saying, never invite your friends to a party. Well, that's okay if you have no friends like some of you, but for those of us who have friends, we want them to come over. And that's so countercultural too to, to hold, Jesus' whole thing about, you know, the holy church was meeting together in the temple and, and in their homes. And the whole first church was about unity and diversity and everybody coming together and sharing a meal, the love feast, communion, everything. Now to understand what Jesus means, it's the second thing. You've understood the patronage system. We got that. Here's the second thing. Do you know what, do you understand what I mean when I refer to an idiom? Not an idiot. I'm not talking about idiot. I'm talking about idiom. An idiom is, and every language has them. They're called idiomatic expressions. And they're expressions we have in our language that make sense. But if you try to translate them externally to another language, they become nonsensical and some, sometimes downright humorous. Uh, you need to understand this. Let me, let me give you an example. When I was preaching in Zambia in my early 20s, I was preaching in English in the bush area called Chapata, Zambia. I had a translator translating my English words into uh, Chichewe. And so I'm giving this story. I'm telling this story about a guy who's running fast and I use the English expression. So he picked up his feet and he ran. Now here's what I saw in my mind as I'm talking about that. You pick up your feet, your legs, you raise them high and you run. But as I say it, here's what the translator sees in his mind. He sees a guy literally picking up his feet and running. <laughs> and he looks at me like, how, what? And he can't translate that over into Chichewe. So everybody in the audience is looking at me like, what? Same thing happened when I used the phrase, kick the bucket. When I say kick the bucket, you and I think of this, you're dead. <laughs> 
But if you say kick the bucket in a, in a soccer-dominated world that doesn't understand our kick the bucket phrase in English, here's what they see. They see a soccer player kicking the bucket. And they're thinking, why would a soccer player kick a bucket? You see? Now, to understand what Jesus is saying when he says, when you throw a party, don't invite your friends. You have to go down to verse 26 in Luke chapter 14 because Jesus uses the same idiomatic phrase and applies it to something else. He says this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, this is one of those phrases that really bothered me when I was a new Christian. What? Honor your father and mother, now you're telling me to hate my mom and dad, to hate my brothers and sisters and to hate my own life and if I don't do those things, I can't follow you? This is a Semitic idiom, idiomatic phrase. Here's what it means. Jesus is saying, I want your love for me to be so great, to be so magnificent, to be so grandiose. I want your love for me to be so powerful that all your other relationships look like hate. You got it? He's not saying hate your mom and dad, your brother and sister. He said, but you love me so much that all your other relationships look like hate. Now you apply that same idiomatic phrase to when Jesus says, don't invite your friends over. And here's what he's saying. That's going to be hard. You, but you realize you, you don't really get, one of our elders told me once, you don't really get any points with God unless you're doing something that is unnatural. If you just do what everybody else does, you're no different. And this is so unnatural. Because what Jesus is saying is this. When I say don't invite your friends over, I mean that you do so much for people who cannot help you. You do so much for people who will never help you climb the ladder, who can never do favors for you in return. You do so much for those who cannot help you maintain or improve on your social status that your effort in that area is so impressive that by comparison, it looks like you have no friends. You with me? You are so generous with your time, with your money, with your possessions. You are so generous and so self-sacrificing that if I were to follow you around the rest of your life, it is amazing. You spend so much time and energy helping those who cannot help you that it looks like you don't have any friends by comparison. Put another way, he'd say it like this. Rather than spending the majority of your time, talents, and resources on things that are self-serving, you're going to give the very best of yourself to something outside yourself. Let me say it again. Rather than spending the majority of your time, talents, and resources on things that are self-serving, things that help you, things that give you more, things that help you increase your territory, expand your purposes. Rather than that, you are to give the very best of yourself to something outside yourself. Now, here's how I think that would go if Jesus were seated around the table with us. Here's what I think he'd say. He'd say, Pastor Jeff, don't do recreation. Don't go out to eat. Don't attend movies. Don't buy nice clothes in order to look a certain way or maintain your social level. Now, by saying that, Jesus is using an idiomatic phrase. He's not saying never go out to eat. He's not saying don't spend money on yourself. He's not saying don't play around the golf, thank God. He's not saying, he's, he's not saying don't go to movies. That's not what he's saying. He's saying... That by comparison, the time and the energy and stuff you spend on yourself, when compared to those who are in need and those who can't help you in any way, Jesus says, let it be massively more on this side than your own self-preservation. That is counterculture. That is what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, man. Let me, let me show it to you this way. You say you have some scales. You've got recreation, dining, entertainment, vacation, and clothing. 
See, sometimes churches misunderstand. These are not wrong. These are not bad things. But it's not also about balance. It's not about balance either. It's about God and his purposes and his way and self-sacrificing far outweighing the things you do here. So that the type of person you become is that your generosity becomes preeminent. It becomes priority. On the surface, that looks okay. That's interesting. But think about it for a moment. Remember when Jesus says, unless you hate your mother, father, you cannot be my disciple. Why does he say that? He says it because he knows that the time will come in many people's lives who choose to follow Jesus, that you will have to choose between mommy and daddy and God. And Jesus says, choose me. Now for us, that doesn't really resonate as much as it does with a Muslim who's converted to Christianity. But the comparative phrase here is that Jesus is saying in the same way that if you have to choose between your parents and me, I want you to choose me in the same way. Listen, in the same way, if you have to choose between your own self-aggrandizement and things that you want or being involved in ministry and charity, that if you have to choose between the two, choose ministry and charity because that's what a fully devoted follower of Jesus will do. Folks, that's why I've called this sermon the greatest switcheroonie of all time. Because according to Money Magazine, we spend 3.2% on clothing. We spend 27% on housing. If you're in California, it's probably higher. 12% on food, 7% of which is eating out. We spend 6% on entertainment. We spend 5% on retirement. And then we spend 7% on vacation and hobbies. Now, I want you to look at the list. Again, there is nothing wrong with that list. Now, you're saying, wait a minute, that doesn't equal 100%. No, because I'm not talking about the other things. I'm just talking about this category right here because some of these things are negotiable, right? Some of these things are not necessities. They're not. Even a housing is not necessity to the size of the houses we build. We could live on a lot less. Jesus is saying, I want you to take a look at this list and I want you to just be willing to admit something. Be willing to admit that these in our lives are the necessities. And after we've got everything that we want, what's left over goes to ministry and charity. So that personal gratification is our necessity. Charity and ministry becomes optional. And here's what Jesus says. I want you to do the greatest switcheroonie of all time. Switch them over so that charity and ministry become a necessity and personal gratification becomes optional. Not that personal gratification is wrong, not that enjoying yourself is wrong. Just make sure that if anything suffers, it's that, not this. Turn it around. Now, I heard a story this past week, and I don't know if it's true. To be honest, I mean, if I, I usually tell you if I think the story's false or if it's just, I don't know if this is true or not, but as a farmer who had a cow and the cow was going to have a calf and they were kind of underwater a little bit financially speaking. So he went to say something to his wife. He said, sweetheart, you're not going to believe this. Sweetheart, we're gonna have a calf and that's gonna give us enough money to make our head above water for the winter. And that's great news, let's rejoice. So they rejoice. Came back two weeks later and he said, sweetheart, you're not gonna believe this. We're gonna have twins, two calves. And he had a magnanimous moment because he got all excited and said, I believe this is from the Lord. So I've decided I'm gonna give half the proceeds to God. So one calf to me, one calf to God because I believe this is a blessing. And he's testing me on this. A couple of weeks later, he comes in and says, sweetheart, I got bad news. What is it? He says, the Lord's calf died.
It's always the Lord's calf that dies. The clothes we want to buy, the trips we want to take, the places we want to live, these are our priorities. And if anything's left, we give it to ministry and charity. But if there's a problem in it, guess what suffers first? Ministry and charity. Because we're going to make sure we're self-preserved in the things we want to do to carry on our sense of entitlement. And Jesus says, if you're going to pull the greatest switcheroonie of all times, the first thing is you've got to know that your giving and generosity must be preeminent to ministry and charity. Second, it must be sacrificial. Now, let me say something to you quickly. Let me take a breath here, get my train of thought as we hit the home stretch. You're here and you're saying, Pastor Jeff, I came to your church two years ago and you were talking about the same thing. I find that uncanny. And if you're telling me you're here and I'm talking about the same thing that you heard two years ago, that to me is a clear sign that God has a message for you. (laughs) I mean, that's uncanny. How can that happen? And the message he has for you is that fully devoted followers, their giving and generosity is preeminent. Their giving and generosity is sacrificial. When somebody tells me I don't believe in the tithe, they're talking about the Old Testament system where 10% went to ministry and charity for the tabernacle. And I'm thinking, dude, be careful. Because when you get to the New Testament, it goes far past the tithe. If I were you, if you're trying to hold on to your cash, keep the 10%, it's easier. Because when you get to the New Testament, by the way, let me show you something that Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Now, this is, these are the words of Jesus. This is the red letter in the red letter edition. And Jesus says, woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, that's your cash, ruin all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. And then he goes on to say, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Did you hear that? Jesus said, you give a tenth, but you don't practice love, mercy, and justice. You should practice love, mercy, and justice without leaving the tithe undone. Jesus himself affirms it, that it's a good starting place. And the reason he doesn't mention tithe anymore in the New Testament is because the New Testament idea of generosity goes way beyond the tithe. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, yes, I know it's difficult. See, little babies cry at this. It's hard to handle. I understand. I understand. Out of the mouths of babes. He, he's just expressing what we're all feeling right now. 2 Corinthians 8. The Apostle Paul, there's poverty in Jerusalem. And the Macedonian Christians want to give. The problem is the Macedonians are poor too. And yet they give. And here's how Paul describes it. He says, they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. He said, they gave as much as they were able, even beyond what they were. They gave more than they were really able to give, but they did because that's what a fully devoted follower of Jesus does. Now, is that where you are? Is that you? Well, I know you're probably keen to hear the rest of that message right now, but that's all we have time for today. Join me again next time to hear the rest of this message about pursuing God and the things of His heart. You see, once you understand what you have internally, the gift of eternal life, once you understand the gift that's been given to you and the generous love of the Father, then you'll start to look at external things totally different. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. 
Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.